Hey, so you're in, you're in this entrepreneurship game like me. You want nice things, right? You want that good car. You want that nice house. Maybe you want to create that lifestyle that gives you freedom and flexibility. What happens if you get that all in your early 20s and then it's not as good as it seems? It all comes crashing down. How do you find that new motivation? What is that new spark? Well, my guest today is going to he's got a really fascinating story and how he turned things around is even more inspiring. And this dude's work ethic off the charts. So can't wait to introduce you my guest today. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. All right, so my guest today is Joseph Warren, and he's the host of the of your first 100K podcast, and he's also the host of the Broken Catholic podcast. But don't worry if you're not religious, uh, because we're not really talking about that too much on this podcast today. It is, it is his faith is involved a little bit, but I was really curious to talk with Joseph because now his story went from making a lot of money in his early 20s, and then realizing that money, pleasure, and success was very unfulfilling and how he transformed his life and some of the lessons, especially business building stuff along the way to to find better fulfillment and um, yeah, heaps of cool stuff in today's episode. Uh, if you're interested, you know, he he's also has his program called Blow Up Rocks, which he talks about at the end, so uh, I won't steal his thunder from that and make a terrible pitch, but without further ado... I highly recommend you listen to this if uh, if if seeking external things, if you feel like that's a bit empty, what what's next? This is the episode for you. So without further ado, who's my guest today? Joseph Warren. <laughs> hey, this is Jules Dan here from Storytelling Secrets. So glad you joined with me today. I'm with I'm joined by Joseph Warren from your first 100 k podcast. He's actually got a couple podcasts, but I thought that was a really nice hook. It'd be really relevant to my audience. But other than that, Let's introduce my guest, Joseph. How's it going? Jules, I am blessed. It's 4.45 p.m. You know, it was, a, it was a full day today, so I'll give you whatever is left in my tank. You can do it, Matt. You can do it, you know. Special, it. special Aussies, you've got something left in the tank for that. I'm going to fire you up because um, we're going to ask some interesting questions. And I always found that people like to talk about themselves. So, you know, that's going to energize yourself a little bit. Uh, but Joseph, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today. I love Cliff Notes versions, if possible, please. I like specific questions, if possible, please. Oh, and, right, and I only play- say that. I, I got to push back. I only say that because my life has had incredible stories yep. uh, throughout my life that, uh, and, and that's not a pat on my back. It just, I've taken more risk than the average person. So I have so many stories I could go deep with. So really like what, what area 
do you want? Do you want some faith stories? Do you want some business entrepreneurial stories? Do you want some broken family childhood mm-hmm. stories and some trauma? Well, what do okay. you want? Well, it, it's, I always love to hear how people got that itch to start a business. And then obviously mm. they fell down a few times. Um, that's really powerful to hear got it. how you started and how you fell down and how you got back up again. And then obviously there's a lot of details in between, but let's, let's start from there. I'd love to hear that. Fantastic. And please interrupt wherever you want to go deeper. Sure. So uh, I was raised in a family of six kids, uh, three boys, three girls. Uh, my dad did the best he could. He was a Marine, uh, came back from the war, uh, tried to build a really good, loving family, which he did very successfully. Uh, however, when it came to work, um, he did a lot of odd jobs uh, to pay the bills and put food on the table. So so life was tough. We were, I would say, borderline poverty um, here in the United States. And we had the worst uh, house in the neighborhood. I got picked on and made fun of a lot as a mm. kid by the, by the rich kids in the neighborhood, etc. So I always had this uh, hunger uh, to be like everyone else, right? To be like the other kids and to have more. And they showed up with the latest gadgets and toys. And, and I didn't have that. I had secondhand stuff. So I think that's where it kind of started for me. Uh, and then years forward, um, at age 19, I just, I had made this unconscious decision that I, my life was going to look different. I was going to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Those were my three ambitions. And I set out on a mission to do that. And I did a lot of just odd jobs, nine to fives, convenience stores, you know, as a young kid, just to, to bring in some cash to pay for gas and in the car. And eventually when I hit 19 years old, that entrepreneurial hunger, I wouldn't have used that word back then, but it partnered me up with some guys that were doing a really cool business, a professional fundraising business. They already had a model. Um, they were the business brains behind the operational side of the business. And they needed a guy just like me. And I was a young guy who was driven. Um, I could talk. Uh, I could persuade people. I was engaging. I cared for people. Pretty much I had a natural charisma or natural influence uh, with others. And think- they recognized Wait, that. What do you think so, that came from originally? That natural- I have no idea other than just natural wiring. Like we're all wired different by our creator, right? So I, I can't take credit for that. Those were just some of my gifts and abilities is to connect with others and do it quickly. Mm. So I could build no like and trust and rapport. Others have told me I could do it in seconds. Uh, some of the best they've ever seen. It's like, I don't take credit for that. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Now I practiced it over the years in sales and business and really sharpened that sword and cultivated it where I can now turn it on and off like a, like a light switch. Uh, but going back to that, uh, I was that guy for them that was missing for their business. Um, so they saw I could build a team. And they were the back end operations that I didn't have that skill set. So it was a really nice combination. So we partnered up. Um, we built this prof- professional fundraising company for national nonprofit charities. So pretty much a lot of nonprofits, they're not very good at raising their own funds. They're great at their cause, you yeah. know, what they do to help in the world. So we were a for-profit marketing company that went out and raised money for these nonprofits. And then our model was to take a transactional fee for our services mm-hmm. so that they could do 
go do more good in the world. And it was free money for them. So it made, it was a no brainer for them, for us, et cetera. Uh, within 12 months, we built a, a $2 million business. Uh, and we were like, whoa, that was awesome. 12 months, oh, first okay. year. Yeah, That's, one yeah. year. So after that, then it was just a matter of, okay, we got a working model. Let's uh, clean out the bugs in the model, so to speak, uh, and let's scale it. And we did that. We did into multiple cities. We did $2 million revenue per year in every city that we went into. And then five years in, I burnt out. I was working 110 hours a week. That's the long and short of it. 110. That's 110, sir. We work hard and busy. Yeah, yeah. We work hard in the U.S., <laughs> and I grew up in New York. So uh, New York, it, we're driven, you know, we hustle, we move. And, and I was hungry. Like I said, I want to be happy, healthy and wealthy. And I was on a mission to do so. So uh, I'm just curious. So you're that, hung- you're that hunger- you're hungry, hungry and you're driven at 110 hours. What is that like 18, 16 hours a day? Yeah, eight, uh, 16 to 20, somewhere in there per day. Because I would go out for night work uh, after a full day. Right, and I'd go out and help my team hit their daily goals, their sales goals, the goals, their quotas, um, and that's that was the leader I was. That's how I led yeah. my team. Is I would go out and teach by example and go back into the, um, you know, the the war zone with them, so to speak, and help them hit their goals. Well, you do that enough times with the right people, they're going to follow you to the ends of the earth because they see how much you care about them. Well, that's what I wanted to follow up about. So it sounds like you're very mission driven. Um, some listeners would probably be curious, how did you, how were you able to sleep four hours and bring that enthusiasm every single day? Obviously it caught up with you after five years, but yeah, it'd be really, cu- I'd be very curious to hear how did you bring that enthusiasm every single day with such little sleep? Yeah, great question. So first answer, I was in my early twenties. Right. I was 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I think I retired, semi-retired. So like you have more energy than you know what to do with. What I was lacking was wisdom. Right. That's the the dilemma, um, you know, when you're young. So I had the energy and I had the drive and the fuel, which was I want to be happy, healthy and wealthy, whatever that looks like. I want to be a successful businessman. Like that was my dream. So when you put those things together, you got some fuel and you got some fire. Uh, you know, you could, you could rocket a, a space shuttle, but it, it's not sustainable. And that was the lesson I learned early on. It wasn't sustainable. So after four and a half years, I burned yeah. out. Yeah. So were you happy? Were you just wealthy and not happy and healthy? <laughs> Bingo, sir. Bingo. Uh, I was healthy physically, uh, emotionally, and spiritually. I was dead and empty on the inside because I pretty much turned my back on my family. I turned my back on my faith. Um, I, I, I went atheist agnostic, you know, somewhere in between there, just crossing that line back and forth. Uh, and I was really just, I found new gods to worship, so to speak, right. God of money, uh, pleasure and success. And I got all three of them. Like I did. Uh, but as many people who get them, uh, you find out it's all a lie. Uh, they don't make you happy they run out. You need a, you need a fix every day, a new fix, kind of like a drug addict. Mm. Um, so for me, that was, you know, pleasure was girls. Obviously the money was just like more, 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 more hustle, hustle. Uh, success was like achievement and recognition, um, in order to validate myself. 
See, when you got all those external things, I was just a broken little boy on the inside. Yeah. So self-esteem and self-image was not as flashy as on the external surface, it sounds like. Exactly. Right. So, and, and when I took off, uh, semi-retired at 24 and a half years old, I think it was, um, I partied for five years in Scottsdale, Arizona, USA. And, um, I wasted, I burned through everything. I burned through all the money and I had a good time. I had a great time. Uh, and I had a lot of friends that were friends because of what I brought, um, with, you know, just, uh, I had money and, um, when the money ran out, everybody left, everybody abandoned me. And I was left with nothing, like literally nothing. And I wanted to take my own life at that point. That's really crappy to hear that your friends would just leave you like that. In such well, they a weren't vulnerable... real friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's what's so, you know, it's like I attracted uh, dysfunctional people because I was dysfunctional. So it sounds like uh, it was almost like life, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, through this situation where it all led up to this climatic point. Not a good one, but one where you wanted to potentially take your life and people left you and your money was gone. And then you're like, what do I do now? What happened in that moment? Uh, humiliation. Yeah. I, uh, I called my oldest sister who was living in Tampa, Florida, and I just started crying on the phone. I hadn't mm. cried since I was a boy. And I told her I lost everything and I had no one and everybody left me and I didn't know what to do. And I'm glad I made that call rather than taking my life. And uh, my sister, she was shocked because I was always the happy, motivational, you know, sibling. And she's like, wow, this, I've never heard you sound this way. It must be bad. I'm like, yeah, it's like <laughs> the worst. And she's like, why don't you move to Tampa, uh, start over, come stay with us um, for a few months, rebuild your life. So that was humiliating. I packed up, you know, the few belongings I had and, uh, I traveled cross country and woke up the next day in a bunk bed at my sister's house with my little nieces and nephews mm. jumping up and down going, uncle Joseph, uncle Joseph, uncle Joseph. Yeah. And I went from total like darkness and evil. Cause I had made real bad choices out there and I was into some bad things um, to waking up, you know, the next day, kind of in God's light, if you will, just like, peace. Like there was all this peace around me and I felt so unworthy and I felt so terrible. And I didn't even know how to process that for, for some time, for years, actually. So, okay. So you're at, you're at your sisters, you're in a better environment. That's a good start. Um, you said you, you felt like you're in God's light. So you, at least you feel like you're in a better path to, to move forward. And you had all these skill sets you developed when you're a lot younger. Um, now I'm curious to know, is this the next chapter of um, starting a business or is there still quite a journey of, of uh, like a maze, so to speak, before that? Yeah, I think that's very intuitive of you to ask that question uh, because it's exactly that. Uh, I had 10 business failures after that. 10 mm. in Tampa. And uh, the humiliation just continued. I had the hustle and the grind, but I, was, I had no direction at that point. I, it was just like all the wind was taken from my sales and um, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know my passion. I didn't know my purpose. So I just was trying any new venture. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. I'm gonna go do that. 
And so many entrepreneurs I get to see, this is how they live. This is how they start businesses mm -hmm. is they just, they chase ideas uh, rather than sitting with who they are and what they want and what they were made for. And then come creating new possibilities around that. And that's been, that was a long lesson for me to learn. So it wasn't a many years later uh, that I was able to uh, start co-working spaces here in Tampa. I saw the trend of, you know, shared office space yep. for entrepreneurships. It's yep. happening all over the world, but nobody was doing it in Tampa. So I brought that, pioneered that in my local city. Um, and we did well. Uh, it took four years uh, before we got the profit, um, but then it took off and I was making equivalent profit margins uh, to Regis. If you know Regis, it's a billion dollar executive suite brand, global brand. Okay. And they were my number one competitor in Tampa and I was taking market share from them. And they were talking about my little my little co-working company yep. in their meetings in Tampa because I had inside spies. And uh, <laughs> so I heard- cool. And, and it was really cool. And it was a boost to my confidence of like, okay, I could do this. Yeah. And then that business uh, was successfully acquired in 2019. And, and when did you start this um, co-working space stuff? Because that, that really took off around, from what I remember in Australia, around like 2016, maybe? Yeah. Uh, for the US, um, it was, I want to say 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. Um, I don't remember the exact years to be yeah. real with you. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, a it was a hustle, man. It was, it was definitely a grind, a lot yeah. of work, but we did it very successfully. And I, in that upper, in that venture, I'm housing all these entrepreneurs starting businesses. So I got to see like what they do. Well, I got to see their mistakes, mm -hmm. their pitfalls. And then I got to kind of consult them and coach them in house. Cause they were in my house, so to yeah. speak, rented yeah. space. Um, and, and we would just sit down and like, how can I help you? And we would talk about business models. And I was, you know, at that time able to um, be one of uh, um, the 470 worldwide consultants that co-wrote with Dr. Alex Osterwalder, the famous book now, um, Business Model Generation. You know, and my company's name was in there as one of the co-authors. Mm -hmm. And so I really got to learn the business model canvas and how to bring that to a, an entrepreneur, a founder and say, okay, let's line up your whole business here. What's missing? What's, what's not aligned? Let's find the problem and address it. So with all that coaching, I just learned what worked and I, would, I was able to coach all these entrepreneurs how to make their first six figures mm -hmm. and then outgrow us successfully. And it was fantastic. Yeah, and that would have been your walking billboards as well to help grow your um, co-working space, I imagine, as well. The one thing I wanted to mention was that you said you had 10 failures beforehand. Um, surely there's going to be a few lessons learned along that way, some principles that you took away to make. Um, what was the name of your co-working space called? Co-creative. Okay, so the lessons and principles that you learned from the 10 failures to apply to co-creative. Could you tell my listeners maybe what, maybe like one or two of those key things that you thought maybe it was a mindset thing, maybe it's a skill thing. I'm not sure, but I'd love to hear your insights. Yeah, for sure. Um, looking back, it's always easier looking back. Mm. Uh, I would say I learned that being a little control freak like myself, it doesn't work in business. At least it doesn't work long-term. 
And that's exactly how I showed up. I controlled everything. I didn't want to relinquish control when people wanted to work with me or partner with me. I didn't want to let go of control. It was Why's my that? baby. Well, it was my baby. And I didn't think anyone could do it as well as me. It was a lot of ego, really, at the end of the day, even though my first venture that was very successful was the opposite. Like I had partners that were awesome at what they did mm -hmm. and I wasn't. And I was awesome at what I did and I stuck to my lane. That's why it was successful. I kind of didn't bring that lesson with me into the next 10 because I was so bitter and annoyed at how it all ended. And I, even though I had reached such a level of success, I felt like a failure because of the humiliation after and yeah, building, yeah. starting over again. So it was almost like um, I, I shut down that traumatic experience and all the wisdom and lessons from it until years later. So that, that would be one thing is um, trying to control everything and not letting go of control and letting people uh, who are as excited about what I was doing uh, take some of that control and, and bring their talents in. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Just, I just held the wheel too tight. Uh, that would be a big lesson. Yep. Well, it sounds, I, I keep hearing that a lot on the podcast, people saying it's really hard to relinquish control. Uh, sometimes you say it's like an ego thing. Sometimes it's, it, it's a feeling of, I want to get the job done right and not mm -hmm. stuff up. Um, so when did you realize, because this happened to me a few times where I was doing everything for the podcast myself. And I thought, yeah. Look, if someone can do 80% of as well as I can, then I'll at least be happy with that. No, pick up. And I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, Jules, because that was the other lesson I took away was that when do I know it's time to let go control? It, and the answer is when you find someone to do the very thing that uh, needs to be done, you're not the right person to do it, even though you're capable but it's not your skill. It's not your passion. If they could do it 80% as well as you, mm. no one could do it perfectly. So let right. It's just kind of like quiet your little ego. No one's going to do as good as you. Congratulations. Okay. So, but if they could do it 80% as well, that's enough. Let it go. Hand it off as soon as they get to the 80% or more mark. And that was a huge lesson for me going forward where now I could train team members once they got to 80% uh, proficiency, yep. boom, I, I let go and I passed it. And then I moved on to the next thing. What's the next thing I got to let go and surrender. Yep. And that, that's, that was how I was able to build the co-working space, not only successfully, profitably, but also I got time freedom out of it. I only worked two hours per week uh, running that business, two locations, because we had automated everything and I had let go of control. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to just, you know, double down on this point. Cause I think it's really important, especially for someone listening, who's thinking about how maybe they're not at like a big enterprise level, but they're thinking about handing off a few um, jobs to a VA, for instance, but we've all had that terrible VA. <laughs> we wanted to go back and just do everything ourselves. Um, and I've had definitely had that experience three or four times, probably myself being, I don't know, a bad manager, but I'm mm. curious to know, how do you manage correctly or train that assistant that your first employee or first virtual assistant? So it's not, you're not too micromanaging, but you need to make sure that they're still self-learning, self-discovering. Yeah. I think whether you're training someone virtually or locally in person, uh, the same principles apply is you show them how to do it. Then you watch them do it. Um, well, you show them how to do it, then you do it with them, and then you watch them do it. And then when you do the one, two, three enough times, 
when you get to the third one, you watch them do it and they're clearly knocking out of the park 80% or better. You just let go right at that point. Uh, I personally have not had a good track record with uh, VAs uh, because ah, I don't like, club. yeah, I don't like writing instructions to people like, Oh, that hurts my brain. I am yeah. better in person now. Yeah. I could do zoom chats and stuff, but then you got language barriers, cultural barriers. Now, other people I've had on my show, uh, they're fantastic at that. They run successful VA companies. It's awesome. I just personally have not, that has not been my uh, success path. I've always done better at finding local talent uh, close by me in proximity, mm -hmm. um, bringing them on board, finding what makes them tick or what are they missing in their life or how much extra side income do they need? And are they trainable to the talent uh, that I need them for? They don't have yeah, to be important. like great at it. Just like, how can I automate the skill set or the thing that's needed to where it's almost like monkey work? Like anybody can do it if they're just persistent and consistent. And then I just match that up with a person who needs a little side income. And that's worked very well for me, for my podcast editing, for yep. running my facilities, et cetera. Does that mean that if you were to hand off, you said you want to make it as monkey proof as possible and easy to do. Does that mean oh, I might be just paraphrasing, but sure, go ahead. does that, does that mean that you, uh, cause there's some, obviously some creative tasks, maybe like writing content or copy that it's not so formulaic, you know, you need to do a bit of research. You need to think uh, a bit right brained. Is that, mm. is that still something that you can put in a formulaic approach? I'm curious. I would say, I mean, within restraints, right? Like, yeah. cause otherwise you'll, you'll, over constrain the creative. Um, so if I'm working with uh, someone who writes copy, for example, I'm probably not going to automate their creative process, um, but I'm going to automate how fast I could get the content to them and how fast I could get sure. the content back from them. So those little things where sometimes that could be a very slow process, uh, converting files, <laughs> basic, simple little tasks like that can yeah. eat up hours and hours of their time and mine. So I look to automate the, the machinery, not the people. Mm, Does that make point. sense? Yeah. You really streamline the process. So you just like all these little increments that just eat up time. You're just, you know, just bulldozing, bulldozing so they can actually get it done. Perfect. Exactly. All right. So I want to transition, transition towards the end here. We're almost done. I know. Thank you so much for pushing through in this Arvo session. Arvo is Australian speak for afternoon, by the way, in case you're, in case you're wondering. All right. So I'm Joseph, having a nice cup of tea right now, just to get me through. Go ahead. Yeah, You, you sound kind of like British, but like, that's cool. <laughs> I mix it. New York, British, American, you know, Hey, come on. I do like New York accent. I'll life. throw a little Aussie in here for some people and go for it. Well, I want to hear your attempt later. <laughs> it would be terrible. Yeah, don't. What do you got? All right. So what, what's your vision for the next six, 12 months inside your business? I'm very curious to hear. Got it. So uh, I'm a man of faith. And uh, though I traveled away from faith in my younger years, um, I really do believe that God spared my life. Um, and and I have clear stories of how he did that. I was almost murdered twice during that time period, et cetera. And I just should not be standing in front of you right now. I have no reason to explain it other than something supernaturally. So I am a man of faith. That's just my story. Now, that being said, um, in my quiet time in the morning, 
uh, meditation, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, in my journaling and speaking with my creator, my maker, you know, like, God, what's next? You know, we sold the co-working business. What do you have next for me? And uh, he clearly told me, bring my sons back to me right now. That's not going to mean anything to someone listening. I get that. But man, it hit me right between the heart. And, and I was, I was clear on what it was. So now I get to coach fast forward. It took me a while to uh, decipher that message. What does it actually look like in business? Um, But now I get to coach men um, specifically seven, eight figure Christian guys or guys that are at least open, right. To spiritual, there is a God there. They, they're not him, you know, that sort of thing. And I get to coach them in businesses at the place where I was meaning, they are making their money. They're killing it, but they're going home unhappy. Mm. There's something broken. Yeah. Like you, like you at the start of the episode. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I didn't know that back then. I didn't know I needed help, but now looking back, I'm like, how many guys are where I was and they're older, they're twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, some are in their seventies. I have one client that's 71 years old and he was battling some of the same struggles I was doing yeah. in my twenties. So I get to help men blow up rocks. That's the simple way of saying it. We all have rocks in our life, the things that weigh us down at home, in our personal lives that interrupt and mess us up in our businesses and they kill our profits. They're connected. You can't separate Mm -hmm. your personal life from your business life. So a lot of men come to me and they're like, well, how are you going to make me more money? I'm like, easy. We're going to look at the rocks in your personal life. We're going to bring God into it. We're going to blow them up, get them to bleep out of your life so that you're freed up and you show up totally different in your business. And that's going to light up your your customers and people are going to be attracted to you and money is going to be attracted to you and profits. And every single time my clients will 400% increase their revenues, like after going through 90 day, you know, blow up rocks boot camps with me Yeah, because of that, because we're working on the inner man that shows up in the external world and in his business. And when you get the inner man right, man, your business works, you you make so much more money and you're fulfilled and happy. You're not that little boy version of Joseph anymore, so to speak. Powerful stuff. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, And now, well, I don't actually know what those people are going through because not at that level, but I can understand if that makes sense. Um, but I do want to follow up with a quick question. Sure. What do you think is that challenge internally for you? I know you've gone through a lot of your internal challenges, but in order to help all your, you know, seven, eight figure clients get over that, that pain that you were going through in your early twenties, what's that thing that you personally think is a bit challenging, challenging that you need to focus on in order to help you achieve that goal? Mm. So this is my, the thing I still struggle with personally, is that what you're asking? Or yeah, if, what if, my if, clients struggle with? If there is anything with you, I know not everyone is perfect, but if there's even something Correct. small, I'd love to hear what, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, sure. So I like to say it this way, right? We all have pebbles in our life. And if you leave them unaddressed, they become stones. And if you leave those unaddressed, they become boulders. Mm-hmm. And then they're too big to move. They weigh you down. You have to ask for help, right? So I address uh, the boulders in men's life, get them free. Life's always going to show up with pebbles. 
the key is, do you ask for help when the pebble, you see pebbles coming at you, right? You see the way you're interacting with your spouse or with your kids. And you're like, wait a second, why am I angry all the time? Mm. That doesn't make sense. I love these people. Or why am I a workaholic? You know, overworking, but robbing time from my family. That doesn't make sense. They're the ones I'm working for. Like, so yep. when you start to see those, those pebbles. So to answer your questions, for me, the challenge I have right now is waiting on God uh, to increase my platform at the level that I am, I know I'm capable of playing. And I don't mean that with ego. I just mean that though God is using me powerfully right now in the lives of my clients, and I get to see these miracle transformation stories and their profits soar, et cetera. I feel that I have the capacity to reach more uh, people um, to do bigger things. So being patient, uh, the Bible says it, if you're a Bible mm -hmm. person, the Bible says, wait patiently on the Lord, be brave and courageous. Yes. Wait patiently on the Lord. You notice it says it twice because we're in, we're yeah. impatient, little control freaks. Well, what do you do in the mi middle? Be brave and courageous. That means trust God, like trust your maker, trust that there's a bigger plan for your life. Trust that you don't have to figure it all out. Trust that you don't have to come up with all the answers for your yeah. customers and your clients, get right? Moving. Yeah, but, but keep showing up, putting in the work, be consistent and know that over time, the plan, his plan, God's plan is going to pay off. So that's the part I struggle with because I'm human, just like everybody else. It's the waiting game. Yeah. It's being persistent, showing up, consistently doing the work without seeing the big outcomes yet. I'm seeing a lot of miracles. And don't get me wrong, they're awesome. They're fantastic. But I'm waiting for the bigger ones. And that's, 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 the, oh, that's the constant, I guess, human struggle. I guess we always it is, right? want, want that big payoff um, and being content with the little ones that we've had along the way and just reflecting and being grateful for the ones that we've had. Um, that's why journaling that's always, I found to be keeping, keeping a track of what, what's gone right today or this week. Uh, yeah, that always... That always really helps me. Joseph, yeah, you know, Jules, that's very smart. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Um, I actually picked it up from a guest. His name's Jeffrey Shaw. Have you heard of Jeffrey? Uh, I don't think I have. Okay. Well, no, never mind. Um, now over to you, uh, you're more than welcome to, if you've got something coming up, you got your own podcast you want to share or, or anything else you want to promote, you've got the floor, Joseph. Okay. Uh, so if you're listening right now to the incredible Jules, uh, and his podcast, obviously you're here for business tips. You're here for strategies. You're here for success. You're here to make more money. I get that Jules and I just went deep with you. Sorry, but listen, we're human, right? And there's, a, there's an inner person inside of you that has a calling, that has something that knows there's more to your life than just existing and paying bills and getting a bigger house, a bigger car. Like there's something inside of you that says, I want to have bigger impact. I want to have a bigger income so that I can have a bigger impact. And I want to create a legacy for the rest of my life, long after my life. So I would just say to you listening, if that resonates with you in any way, stop ignoring that inner voice. Stop chasing the ex external stuff. Trust me when I say there are rocks inside everyone. We all have rocks, especially us dudes. But here's your biggest problem, bro. You refuse to ask for help. 
you won't ask for help. And it's not your fault either. Why? Because since you were a little boy, we were conditioned not to show that we don't have it all figured out. We were conditioned to not show emotions, to not show feelings, to not cry. I was raised by a Marine. We did not cry. Okay. So I get it. But the problem is those are rocks in your head and there's rocks around your heart that keep you from feeling, even with your own spouse, some of you, even with your own kids. And you can't just keep going through life like that just pinned down with the weight of your own destiny on your own shoulders. It's exhausting, isn't it? So if you feel exhausted in that way, welcome to humanity. You're not alone. But what you do next in the next two minutes will determine the trajectory of your life, meaning this. You can reach out to me. Go visit my website, blowuprocks.com. Pretty simple. Men like to blow up things. Come on, dudes. We want to blow up stuff, right? Blowuprocks.com. Book a complimentary call with me, and we'll just talk about some of the rocks in your life. We all have them. That's the first choice you're going to make, okay? If you do that, your life, you're going to make more money. You're going to have more time freedom. Why? Because I'm an automation wizard. Okay. I'll help you automate that business, right? You're going to get more time with your family. We're going to blow up the rocks in your marriage, blow up the rocks in your, your parenting, blow up the rocks in your faith. So that's one path. Or you're going to make the choice right now and say, you know what? It's not working. My life's not really working, but I, I'm not ready to ask for help. Okay. Just go back to it, bro. Nothing's going to change. Or is it? I mean, most of the time it just gets worse, doesn't it? The rocks just get bigger, don't they? So either take the action, go to blowuprocks.com or don't. Either one's fine with me, but I've never met you, but I love you. Why? Because we're all in this human thing together. So if you want freedom from the rocks in your life, I may be your coach. Powerful message there. Joseph, thanks a lot for coming onto the podcast today. Jules, you are the man. I like your enthusiasm. I've listened to some of your episodes. Your audience, uh, I think, is very privileged uh, to get a lot of, excuse me, your wisdom uh, to get your enthusiasm. And you got a lot of passion and just happiness and, you know, your, your great nice. smile and all that. And maybe they don't get to see that smile, but I'm sure they hear it through your words. And if, if you're one of Jules' listeners, um, you know, keep listening to this guy. He's on the right path, I think. Thanks, Joseph. Really appreciate that. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, this is Jules here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So if you want to go check out my guests, freebie, what they spoke about, learn a little bit more about them, maybe they've got an event they spoke about on the podcast, you're going to find all the information below in the podcast notes. And on top of that, if you really enjoyed the podcast, if you absolutely loved Storytelling Secrets, I'd really appreciate it if you go leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the podcast out to more people and uh, I'd be really, really grateful. On top of that, if you leave a review, a written review, I'd be more than happy to read it out on air. So you're more than welcome to drop a note, say hello to a friend, promote your business, whatever. The mic is yours, so to speak. So other than that, thank you so much for listening. Go leave a review and I'll see you next time on the podcast.